Hello. The long goodbye is nearly at an end. By Thursday morning, the furniture vans will, at least metaphorically, have left Downing Street and the Blair years will have gone. There's been much analysis about the influence Tony Blair's Christian faith has had on his politics. It's a widely held view that he's been the most overtly Christian Prime Minister since Gladstone. Alistair Campbell once famously remarked that we don't do God. Well, tough Alistair, for it's clear that your ex-boss does. Tony Blair's politics and beliefs find a unity in the principles of Christian socialism. He's still a member of the Christian socialist movement. So what is Christian socialism? Where does it come from? And with a new prime minister at the helm, and one who is also a member of the Christian socialist movement, what is its future? Joining me to discuss Christian socialism are Alan Michael, Labour MP and chair of the Christian socialist movement, John Milbank, professor of religion, politics and ethics at Nottingham University, and Jonathan Barclay, director of the social and theological think tank Ecclesia. Alan, have you always considered yourself a Christian socialist? Uh, I think so. I think um, I was brought up in a Welsh nonconformist chapel in North Wales. I had parents that were deeply involved in the community. As a journalist, I became convinced, if you like, from looking at the things I was reporting on, that the facts of life are labour. And from being a volunteer in a church youth club, I went into full-time youth and community work. It's really the experience of working as a community worker and with some of the problems that affected unemployed young people and so on that led me inexorably, I think, into national politics and the Christian belief and the principles that arise out of that and the political conviction really just go very close together. If you had to sum it up very briefly what it means, what would you say? I would say that you go back in terms of Christian belief to the message that was given by Christ about serving your neighbour and answering the question, who is my neighbour, what does it mean? It's interesting at the present time, for instance, with the new Charities Act, we've got the concept of public benefit being subject to the same sort of scrutiny and I think will have to be revisited and reinterpreted over the generation. So I think that's the starting point. John, are you a Christian socialist? Yes, I am. So how do your views square with those of Alan? Well, I, I think there are um, many points of conjuncture. Um, for example, I think he mentioned the word cooperative. And I think for me, that's um, one of the crucial things about Christian socialism, that it's always tended to offer an alternative to either um, the reign of the free market on the one hand or state bureaucratic control on the other hand. It's suggested rather a reform of businesses and business practices themselves in such a way that you bring wealth and labor closer together. You have um, principles of common ownership and direction of economic activities also towards social and political ends that in the end are to do with respect for the human person and fulfillment of the human person. So in a way, Christian socialism is the genuine third way. It's not Tony Blair's third way. But you're not a member of the Christian socialist movement. No. Why not? Well, I think it's important to say that there have been many, many different Christian socialist movements over the years. And uh, I was a member of Ken Leach's Jubilee Group, which is a Catholic socialist movement, probably much more radical, I would say, than the Christian socialist movement. And the reason I think it's twofold. First of all, I don't think of the Christian socialist movement as primarily to do with party politics, because along with the mainstream of the Christian socialist tradition, I believe that it's the church itself that is the ultimate site 
of the true society. So I think it's wrong for Christians en masse to tie themselves too closely to the interests of one party. And secondly, I think that Blair is not a, a socialist, he's a neoliberal, and he's just continued Mrs Thatcher's neoliberal revolution. And to my mind, this is the absolute antithesis of socialism. Jonathan, you work yeah. for John Major's office. Does that make you a Christian conservative? <laughs> not at all. Uh, in fact, I think, you know, the party would, as a whole rather distance themselves from me in that respect. I mean, I've never joined the Christian socialist movement, but I do have a lot of sympathies with it, have a lot of sympathies with the Labour Party. I've never joined that either. I'm not a card-carrying member of any party, and I have a you know general reticence, I think Ecclesia does, about the ability of the state to fix things. Uh, and when, you know, you talk about Christian socialism yeah. and the Christian socialist movement, there is this emphasis on looking to government to sort out the problem. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I see much more myself, as, I guess, as, an, uh, as a social anarchist, if you like. Mm -hmm. I guess embracing the ideals of collectivism, cooperation, socialism, but not resting on government to do it. Now, we, we yes. had Alan mentioned one of the principles on which he based his Christian socialism. It was the question, who is my neighbour? What do you think of the other principles that sort of underlie Christian, the Christian part of Christian socialism? What are the texts that Christian socialists would produce? The Beatitudes would be a, a banker mm -hmm. for me, you know, mm -hmm. very much. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor. Um, obviously, love your neighbour as you love yourself, but of course, as Alan already hinted at, where does uh, you know, your neighbour lie? Morris Ginsburg, in his essay on the diversity of morals, said, common to all cultures is this idea that we love our neighbours if we love ourselves. Where we differ is who we consider our neighbours to be. Do we draw the line at national borders, for example, or do we go, you know, Yes. into a global context. Uh, but those, are, those are the starting points for any sensible discussion about political activity. Who is your neighbour? Where do the boundaries lie? Because there isn't a simple answer to those questions and they change over time. Certainly, I think those questions would be answered differently 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and 500 years ago to the way they are now. There have been changes just in the last decade or so. But I worry about this idea that somehow you can have politics and political activity without political party. So to say I'm not a card-carrying uh, member of any party should be described as an apology rather than a proud claim. And to say that the church should be the, oh, the, no, site, the, site, the site of truth in, in society. I mean, you need to separate the religious and the secular. Otherwise, you end up with a, with a church party, which I think would be truly dangerous. I, I want to come to the modern politics in the second half of this programme, but let's just for the moment stick to the principles. John, can I get yeah. your comment on these yes. The principles that underlie, the Absolutely. biblical principles Absolutely. that underlie the Christian yeah. socialism. Yes, movement. certainly. I think one of the most important things to say is that while it's true that the Christian socialist critique of capitalism is ethical, rather than being quite so scientific and historicist as the Marxist critique is, it is nonetheless a critique of capitalism. And there are two things that are here important. First of all, there's a great suspicion of simply making money out of money without doing any work. Secondly, there's a suspicion of an entire system that is organised on the principle of buying things as cheaply as possible, including labour, and selling them as dearly as possible in order to make as much profit as possible, with total indifference to the question of the social use of 
what you're producing, the treatment of your workers, and the question of whether the things you're producing are advancing um, what Christians have always known as final human ends, including the final end of actually seeing God. And this emerges from the Old Testament, where there are rules about the use of money, rules about the use of land. It's reaffirmed in the New Testament, where we're told that the apostles, first of all, had things in common, whatever that means. And And Jesus told a story about the talents, in which people exploited talents, and one man was condemned because he'd taken his talent and hadn't made use of it. That's another another classic. I mean, it's it's always interpreted as an idea It's not a piece of money. It is a piece of money. What it really means is is gift. You know, the talents that you have in the sense of things given to you by God. It doesn't. It doesn't, because (laughs) as people have pointed out, that actually traditional interpretation is indeed that you should get something and make it and multiply it and, you know, create more wealth. Yeah. But actually, when you look at uh, what's going on there, Jesus, first of all, is telling a parable about the kingdom of God. Yeah, well, I'm Secondly, that the, the ruler is the one who's being condemned, yes. and the hero is the guy who, out of fear of the political ruler, buries his talent in the ground uh, and is then killed, and not just him killed, his family is killed. Jesus appealing to his defense and saying, look, I'm about to go. It's right before the triumphal entry in Jerusalem. He's saying, you're going to greet me as a king. I'm not going to be like the unjust king that you're expecting. Well, we can, what, what all of this <laughs> proves to me, and the point I'm making, is that you can bring your differing interpretations to the text and that the the evidence is not unambiguous conservatives can take some some comfort out of it as much as so this is this is this is not the case because it's possible to be a christian conservative and it's possible to be a christian socialist what it's not possible to be is a christian liberal supporter of capitalism the entire witness of the bible and the church tradition tells against that and people who think that nowadays are simply incredibly confused Well, let's move on to the historical context of Christian socialism, because the movement that's known as Christian socialism had its roots in the 19th century. It was one of the results of industrialization, because the workplace had changed to such an extent that the organization of the means of production had become crucial. Absolutely. Um, Christian socialism is not quite so English as people think. It actually began in France before 1848 and was exported to England initially by a man called Ludlow, who became a friend of the theologian Morris. And in its origins, it was very much to do with the idea that we need a reorganization of society and economics in which everybody participates, in, in which there's a new dignity given to the worker. And this began in in France, it was non-statist socialism, and it was also often very religious. And only much later, after Marx, really, I think, did socialism get associated with atheism. The big crunch, Alan, came with yeah. Karl Marx, because Karl Marx was clearly opposed to religion. He thought religion was the opium of the people. Yes, and I, th- I think there's yeah. a big difference between the sort of theoretical heritage, which is there, it's a part of our history, I know, which informed Christian socialism from a continental point of view, and the British roots, which are much closer to organisations like the cooperative movement, <clears throat> like the campaigns for fairness, for the way that employees were treated in agricultural areas. And uh, personally, I think that that has a lot going for it. But I'm interested to know why Britain was different, because certainly after the initial 
Bibles, the origins of Christian socialism on the continent, it turned anti-clerical, it turned anti-religion. Jonathan, what was different about Britain? Because famously it's been said that the Labour Party owes more to Methodism than to Marxism. It's a claim that's disputed but nevertheless yeah, quoted it's, by it's, Prime it's Ministers. Wrong. What you've got is a very interesting uh, situation where you don't get the, the same revolution mm. as you have in France, but what you do get is a kind of radical edge coming through at the time of the English Revolution, as the level as the Dukas and the Ramses, and certainly Chris Bryant, now an MP, former chair of the Christian Socialist Movement, in his personal history, traces back Christian socialism much further to these groups. Uh, and what you've got is this very important principle of the theology, which hasn't come forward so far, of the, the kingdom of God. Now, it's always been there in Christian theology, but you get this idea that the kingdom of God is realisable now. And that stirred up a huge a kind of hornet's nest, a huge, uh, I think, backlash against Christendom, against the fact that, that there's been this alliance of church and government within Western Europe that has kept the poor in their place, you know, the rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate. Uh, and now there was this opportunity to overturn that. Why did it decline? Why, why did the Christian socialism because decline th in because the 20th century? Because I think we had a comparative success, if you like, during the 1945 election government, the period where it seemed that what you needed was greater and greater intervention in the state, taking over aspects which had been developed originally by charities and voluntary organisations. And you had a period, actually, where people in the Labour Party left their hats, if they were Christians or even if they were members of voluntary organisations, outside the door. Well, can I remind you that you're listening to Beyond Belief and today we're discussing Christian socialism, the creed of our present and indeed our next Prime Minister. With me are Alan Michael MP, John Milbank and Jonathan Barclay. It's striking how many young radical militants become quite conservative as the ageing process sets in. The Reverend Giles Fraser is one whose views have moved on. For much of his life he described himself as a Christian socialist. So I asked him how important was it to his self-understanding? It was in the bones to start with. It felt in the bones anyway. It felt like the very nature of fairness itself. It felt like what the gospel was about. Uh, I couldn't really distinguish between the two, I think, for many years when I first would describe myself as a Christian. I was a socialist before I was a Christian. When I was at university I was sort of pretty hardcore lefty. And um, Marxist. I, yeah, I think I'm probably right. And used to sort of sell the newspapers on the street corner and it's the only time I've ever been an evangelical actually. And when I became a Christian I, the, the two were quite close to each other for quite a long time. What did um, it mean in practical terms being a socialist and a Christian? I, I actually think it meant uh, I mean, it was a commitment to the poor, it was a commitment to issues of social justice, it was a, uh, there was something about sort of radical commitment to peace and all those sorts of things. But actually, I don't think I was really uh, understood what socialism was all about. This is, this is the nux of it for me, because I, I sort of increasingly come to see socialism as, a sort of econ as an economic theory. It's a technical term, it's an economic theory about how markets work. And it is that uh, the community must have considerable control over markets in order for distribution to be fair. Now I think that that particular mechanism actually makes people poor. And so my previous commitment to poverty, which I associated with socialism, is actually now points the other way. Was it your experience as a vicar that led you to that conclusion? I was sitting in Notting Hill Market about three or four years ago and uh, reflecting on how much I loved markets, everybody loves markets, 
and there was sort of all the great energy and diversity going on and and I thought to myself what is it then that I love this market everybody loves this market and yet the market is the great evil for socialists deep down in the bones you know I would sneer at the market I mean my brother's a stockbroker works on the market and whenever I thought of the market I thought of something you know fundamentally bad so what was fundamentally bad about the market and fundamentally good about this sort of great scene in front of me of diversity and you know I thought right philosophically what's the what's the difference and I couldn't find a philosophical difference and lots of practical applications and so forth and so I that was one of the sort of moments of change and what I really value one of the things that I really value is is diversity and I think socialism because it involves a great deal of communal control isn't very good at celebrating diversity and do you think Christianity is all about diversity? Well, I think it's about a sort of inclusion when Christ offers the table for all. Um, at Pentecost is a classic image of diversity with all the different people coming together. So, yes, I think the message that God loves all, and the shapes and sizes, Jew or Greek, rich or poor, black or white, straight or gay, that's what I think. That, I think, is, is deep in the marrow of Christianity, and I think that socialism isn't very good at reflecting it. Has it been a painful process, moving away from Christian socialism? Oh, yes. Oh, because, I mean, it's been like a mourning, actually. It's been because oh, my whole moral compass, I think, was attuned to. My self-image was, I'm a lefty. Um, all my values sort of get shaped in this particular way. And then realising that, actually, perhaps I'm not a lefty, or certainly not in the way I thought I was, uh, has taken an enormous amount of adjusting and almost admitting to myself, admitting to my wife, <laughs> admitting to my wife that I'm no longer a socialist, and she probably is. That was quite a challenge. That was the Reverend Giles Fraser, the Victor of Putney and lecturer in philosophy at Wadham College in Oxford. And John, while that was going on, you were saying rubbish. Well, I, th I think Giles has just um, fallen in love with mammon um, or postmodern <laughs> diversity or whatever you want to call it, you know, and I'll pray for him. But I think, um, to put it briefly, he's simply running away from the point that capitalism isn't interested in producing real wealth. It's interested in only in producing abstract wealth, which is bound to fall more and more into the hands of a few people, because that's its logic. It's about um, simply making profits. Therefore, it's it structurally tends to impoverish people. But also, socialism isn't just against capitalism over the issue of poverty. The, the issue also is trying to fulfill people in terms of their ethical, aesthetic, and contemplative aspects. I, I, and I, I can I just that. briefly finish? And this means, as John Ruskin puts it, that you have to put the valuable in the hands of the valiant. You have to match virtue to real material goods. I, I, challenge. I agree with that, but I think also <laughs> what's fascinating about what Giles said is Christ offers a table to all uh, and of course doesn't charge a dinner ticket price <laughs> to come to the table. And what, what is missing from the market is that act of gift giving, that act of grace, which is absolutely 
absolutely central to the gospel and the exactly. Christian message. That's you go into the marketplace, exactly. you don't go to give your stuff it's away. It's not an exchange of gifts. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and that yes. is an essential mm. tenet which he's mm. just missed. Jonathan, I'm baffled as how you ever got into John Major's <laughs> office. Alan, I would say that Giles' disillusionment sure. with Christian socialism actually dates from the decline of Marxism. When Marxism became an outdated philosophy that was clearly seen not mm -hmm. to be working, Giles and lots of others became disillusioned. Well, yes, because uh, it seems to me he's made a cardinal error in the first place because he was looking for a dogma, a theory that would sort of satisfy him. Whereas, if you like, he was looking in politics for something that he should be looking for in faith. Yes. Uh, I mean, he starts there by saying that socialism is about economic theory. Well, not for me it isn't. No. It's about engaging with people. It's about enabling and liberating people. And the antithesis of that enabling and liberating is exploiting people, which is why it's wrong. Crime is a failure of relationships between the individual and the victim. Unless you're people-orientated in your political approach, then of course you're going to be dissatisfied with one theory or another, or indeed any theory. Political theory is a way of trying to, if you like, deliver activity in this imperfect world of ours, but it's not going to make the world perfect. Jonathan, do you see any of that happening with the Christian socialist movement as it's presently constituted? Well, I mean, I am I'm disappointed in, in terms of, it does seem to recognise it's about relationships, but I wish it would be bolder. I wish it would have been, you know, there was some opposition to the war in Iraq, but you look at the members mm. of parliament who were Christian socialists, we did an analysis of no. their voting record, they all voted for the war. Well, um, you know, what happened to the pacifists? What happened to the pacifists? We've just talked about restorative justice. Now, the Home Office has yeah. been valiantly trying to pioneer these small schemes, but in the criminal justice system, what we have is basically a crime is committed against the Crown, and the Crown Prosecution Service gets involved, and basically it becomes a battle where the victims of crime are merely witnesses. Now, there's a radical perspective on criminal justice that Christians could be bringing in terms of a complete change about, along the lines that Alan has hinted at, but far, far more far-reaching than that. Alan, in terms of the Christian socialist movement, what was the critical point where the decline stopped? Was it the advent of John Smith to become leader of the Labour Party, where he brought a very definite Christian agenda and introduced a sort of ethical socialism again? No, I, th I think it had happened before that. I think a lot of people, and these were two things in parallel, people involved in the voluntary and community sector, and I put myself amongst those. I did work on the relationship between government and the voluntary sector for Tony Blair when he was at the Home Office and, and subsequently, started to say, look, these things are relevant to what we're talking about within the Labour Party. They're not things you should leave outside the door of political debate. And similarly, I think people increasingly came to, uh, to feel my Christianity, my membership of a church, that church being part of a community, particularly if you were living or, or working as I was as a youth worker in places where the church might be the only professionally led organisation in the community and massively depended on. These things ought to be a part of the everyday stuff of politics and I think that has led to people engaging with the Christian socialist movement within the Labour Party. But ca can I put it to you Jonathan that part of the problem with Christian socialism success so-called over the last 10 years is that the prophetic voice, the, the prophetic Christian part of that Christian socialism has been almost silenced. It's been too cosy a relationship so that it's very difficult to see where Christian socialist movement actually offers a critique 
of the of new labor it's very very hard i mean you know new labor drop clause for csm were hot in the, t- <laughs> the, 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 the tail yeah. i mean tony ben who was a major influence even though he, he was an agnostic on on csm uh, said this when he retired after 50 years in the house of commons i'm leaving parliament to concentrate on politics now you know like him or loathe him he is a veteran of many many decades standing and he has this uh, you know important insight that actually it is this prophetic movement idea that changes the terms of debate now if CSM I think and other groups could rediscover this prophetic edge that could make their opposition for example to the invasion of Iraq their new more positive proposals for reforming the criminal justice system or indeed on green policy or you know even on extended family and rejuvenating ideas of family and community more evident they could actually have a much more profound political uh, effect yeah, than concentrating on Westminster all the time. And when we get politicians coming on saying, well, if you aren't a member of a political party, you aren't going to make a difference. And indeed, it's shameful if you suggest anything else, then I think we are really, really in a bad, bad place. Because, Alan, when I think of Christian socialism, I think of, of uh, Lord Silpert, Donald Silpert, who I knew reasonably well. And, and when I think of him and his relationship with Christian socialism, he must be turning in his grave when he thinks of the attitude of the Christian socialist movement towards, for instance, the war in Iraq. Well, firstly, firstly if you look at the, the last elections for the Christian socialist movement, it was largely coming from the younger members demanding and pressing for a chime of change and renewal and for the CSM to have a, a prophetic voice both to the Labour Party from the basis of our faith but also to the churches in terms of engagement with issues of, of of social justice. Now, uh, where is it, I, I don't just, just where, where is CSM's prophetic voice right now? Just give me three examples. Well, I've, 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 I've just said to you, we've had an AGM only a few weeks ago. I think where part of the prophetic voice comes is the young people getting together. Three examples, uh, meeting, meeting, meeting together. No, I'm not going to give you a One policy. Ag- I'm not going to give you a policy agenda. I don't think that's right. And on the war, war of Iraq, are we going to talk about the intervention of Sierra Leone, for instance, as well? Or are you just going to go for the knee-jerk reaction would take the one thing that's most unpopular and said if you're not waving a flag against that you can't be doing things right I'm sorry I'm not getting involved in that sort of debate what I want to see is the Christian socialist movement as a, as a place where people of a variety of personal approaches to faith from a variety of different churches look at their political engagement their belief in radical politics and support each other in becoming more effective more radical and a clearer voice well, within the Labour Party John, that's John, not about very warm and fluffy, yeah. John, John are you not it's surprised? not warm and fluffy it's it's hard work and it's going to be very hard work and it's challenging work it's easy just to tick boxes or stay outside saying oh we'll put this test and see if you wave a flag at it John are you not surprised that the Christian Socialist movement one of whose the planks of the of, of the platform was pacifism has raised hardly a voice in protest about the war in Iraq. I'm not surprised because they're too closely associated with the new Labour project. They're not looking far enough back if they look back to the thoughts of Tawney, for, for example. R.H. Tawney. Uh, R.H. Tawney. They would find somebody who was truly trying to think of an alternative to capitalism. Now, in the years of new Labour, we've seen the gap between rich and poor hopelessly widen. We've seen even middle-class people increasing living on the financial edge, overworking. We've seen a general decline of trust throughout society. Christian socialists in this situation have a responsibility to start putting forward a concrete
complete alternative vision. All I'm hearing is rhetoric. That, that is the classic, and the prophetic is not about just criticising. In fact, criticism is a very mm. small part of it. It's about putting forward positive vision, a vision yeah. and ideas. Alan? Yes, I, I, I think it's missing the point about what political engagement is, is about. Look, when you refer to the New Labour project, for instance, at the fact that Keir Hardy was walking the streets of Merthyr calling for a minimum wage. As a we've, got a, we've got a minimum wage in place. Look at the fact that people like Joseph Archer is an agricultural worker, we're arguing against exploitation in the rural areas. Look at the fact that we brought in the Gangmasters Act, which deals with modern exploitation. Now, there are many things that have been done over the last few years that, that have made a very positive economy. difference. Well, we must bring this programme to a close. I'd like to ask you all to give me a brief answer to this question. What, if any, do you think is the future for Christian socialism, John? I think that there is a great future for um, Christian socialism and Christian social teaching in, in general, because I think that the only alternatives to what we've got now are going to come from a Christian religious vision. Alan? Well, I think that a value-driven party, which I think is what Gordon aspires to lead, gives a tremendous opportunity for what I hope over the next few months will become a revitalised Christian socialist movement to make a very positive contribution to renewing the Labour Party in government. Jonathan? I hope that it's the movement that comes first and the politician who follows rather than the politician setting the agenda for the movement. But I think the movement has a very, very bright future, not least in what it can teach mm. other Christians from other parties who are also involved Beyond in politics. Beyond just party politics. Beyond party yes. politics. Yes. But you need party politics. Well, yeah, that, of course. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the programme. My thanks to Jonathan Barclay, John Milbank and Alan Michael. I'll be back at the same time next week.